My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Y'all, welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast. And we have one of my favorite people of all time on today, Rob Roberts. I'm so excited to see you. Thank you. And thank you so much for the kindness. Well, we always have. It's kind of unusual. (laughs) we always have such a good time wherever we go and you always have my back when we start talking guns and so i appreciate all that support always will always (laughs) will i think the first time we were in the hole in the wall bar in iowa and the table wanted to start picking on me maybe not the table maybe just one person sitting at the table right right just one person yeah so it was so much fun. And I'm like, man, we're going to have a good time with all this. Yeah. It's like, is the girls ain't supposed to be picked on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing is that I can shoot and, and that might be the only seal God gave me, but I, I try to take pride in it and I take it really serious. You know, when people don't realize that, that there are so many of women just as yourself that really do know how to shoot. I've got, I brought mine up to do that same thing, but at the same point, um, whether you're Midwest, Southern, whatever, it don't really matter. Is if old granddad and dad or whatever, they come out and say, you know, I was, I raised girls, so they were going to have to be my boys. So, hey, you're going to learn how to shoot. You're going to learn how yep. to shoot right. Yep. And you see so many things nowadays where um, you'll see a woman grab a gun and they're trying to, and, and I probably shouldn't even say this, but they get into, they want to be on television or they want to be someone, but they don't have a clue. And so the real, the real you know, we used to do a lot in the sporting clays and skeet market. And I, I would tell the guys, when you go down here and you see a girl or a woman or whatever, she comes in here and she grabs a gun and she starts looking at it. Don't walk up there and baby her and act like she don't know. If she grabs that gun and she knows what she's looking at, guess what? She knows how to use it. And they do. And so, you know, it's like uh, you see so many of those guys that would be try to be a salesman and here, ma'am, can you know, let me. Uh-uh. She knew more about it than he did. You know, that, that's oh, how it yeah. so it, it really is. It's awesome to see um, ladies in the profession that can actually go out to grab a gun, shoot it, do what they're supposed to, whether it be targets, game, whatever the case may be. But you seem to do all of it. So that's even better. I I love it. But, you know, it's just like. I say over and over again, a door opened for me and whether I knew what I was doing or not, it was so much fun. I just said yes. And I was always surrounded by men either that were friends or leaders in the industry that mentored me. And I was so fortunate that they always taught me the right way. So when I first broke into the industry, um, it was all because my instructor, who I was shooting with five, six days a week for over two years, um, put me with a CZ. I had the hardest time finding that right gun fit. You know, and so a lot of people don't understand and they give up before they even give themselves a real chance. Um, You know, gun fit is like number one. And we could talk about that for the whole hour. But absolutely. He finally pulled out what we call old trusty and CZ doesn't even make it anymore. But it um, it was one of the first shotguns that they ever brought to the United States. And I will never forget throwing it up in a parking lot at Garland Mountain Sporting Clays. And I said. We had a tournament the next day and I said, I'm going to shoot this tomorrow and I'm going to win. And it was my first, it was, it was my first tournament that I won. And, and I, I mean, I really didn't even have any time or experience with it, but, it but it's a light bulb really- moment. And I know that you guys see it over and over and over because that is your game. When, when people find that perfect fit, you can't really put into words, but it's like putting on your favorite set of shoes or your favorite boots and walking 10 miles. It, it absolutely, you know, and, and the guns today, if everything's went to synthetic and it's hollowed out, you can't make a lot of changes. You can only make the changes that the gun will allow you to make changes. You know, here's a different stock. Here's different this. In the old days, we, you know, I grew up where we had actually wooden stocks that were solid that you could turn around and go, okay, look, uh, I need a, you know, three eighths back pitch or I need this or I need that. And you could actually do that, which is not something we really do. You know, you got gun fitters out there. That's really your guys to go to where we're doing all the custom stuff to make them shoot good. But yeah. we do, I do know a whole ton on gun fit 
And like I said, once again, girls, girls are built different guys. You know, you might have a guy that's, um, he might play pro football forever. He might be a lineman. He might walk in, he's six, eight, weighs 400 pounds. And yeah. he's got a really short length of pull compared to a guy that comes in that's 5'10 and 120 pounds. And he got a super long, you know, it don't make right. sense. But that's what right. it is. And so you know what, you make such a good fit, point too about that, because what you just said is an inconsistency in the market where they market to ladies for ladies guns. And I just want to talk about like my time with CZ and the, and the time that I shot with them, their team, their pro staff team spent all day, every day at the events that we worked with the demo booth, teaching me about guns. And, and th that's where all my foundation knowledge came from. And that was pre um, like Benelli 828. That was, that was before all these things that I'm moving into even existed, you know? Right. And so like, I just want to encourage people, like, if you want to learn these things, you just got to get around the people that actually know what they're talking about, because you catch on to the lingo so fast when you can put it in application. Yes. And so then like moving into, of course, you know, working the demo booths and me being the female back then, they always wanted me to work with the ladies. Well, you would assume, okay, this lady's gun. Well, you and I both know that the lady's gun measurements equals pretty much the youth gun measurements. So you drop from 14 and 7 eighths length of pull down to a 13 and, and they're like, okay, now it's a lady's gun. Well, guess what? Like I'm an average size female, five, six, whatever. And right. I shoot a male LOP. And people did not believe it, but it's because it's the way that I get into the gun. One of the one of the things that you'll see a lot of times on length of pull is when you come in here and the gun is kicking the crap out of you. I mean, if a gun is beating you up, you got something going on. You know, everybody wants to say, "Well, I won't use a, I won't mention names, but I won't use that model that make a gun because they kick the crap out of you, or this one here kicks you, or this one." That's not the case. It really and truly, it, it comes back to the actual fit of the gun. So, you know, being a girl, lady, however you want to say it, and I'm trying to stay all politically correct because I know we <laughs> Don't got worry about it. I'm know, I know we got trans testicles out there that might be upset. But <laughs> in the meantime, if a, you know, uh, you're built different. I mean you're built different. Right. And so with that being said, I'm actually a guy that has monkey arms. So I've got a long length of pull, even though I'm 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 your basically six foot guy that, you know, I'm not a big guy. But at, at that point, uh, I got monkey arms. It takes a long length to pull for me, where a guy the same size that don't have that might be shooting um, an inch shorter. So even though, for general, the uh, youth length of pull fits, it don't. It's actually chest, okay? And so um, one thing, if you've got a wooden stock and you've got something you can do with, especially on your over and under type stuff, if you can get a stock or a gun fitter to come in and go, hey, look, I can cut this. A back pitch is something where the stock, instead of being straight, is doing it's it's got more of a curve mm -hmm. or more of a back like this, which fits your shoulder, which makes up for what you got here. Right. Gun sits in the pocket that it's supposed to be in and you can shoot. So that's the just guys that thing. are living in the gym, they have the same, they need the same um pitch, you know, that we do. Maybe not the same degree, but right. so let's talk about that for so if you are listening and you have a significant other or a child that is not consistently shooting and they are having trouble building confidence in the field, don't let them think that they're a bad shooter. Find somebody oh. with knowledge of gun fit because what they're seeing and what the knowledge in their head may be spot on, but the gun doesn't fit well enough for the muzzle to um align with their eye so therefore they're not shooting where they're seeing and nope. that causes so much frustration and people quit before they even are set up to win i agree i agree and they do and like i said once they go out they think that they can go by you know and i know i understand parents especially in the new high schools you know when they're starting these kids off and they're shooting trap and all and the parent really don't know anything mm -mm. okay and and i mean that's not knocking them but they don't know the difference between that gun, this gun. They, they have no idea what you're talking about right now. But it's best to go ask somebody because at that same point, they're actually wasting money trying to buy a cheap gun that'll never do that's beating the kid up. The kid, you know, if the kid shoots and flinch, you know, if you blink your eyes, that's a flinch. You probably miss the target. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
getting gun fit is super, super, super. And it is tough in today's world with the guns that are being built. But like for trapping stuff, you can still get a solid wood stock, something that you can work with, something you can cut off and have it, you know, have gun fitter fit it. Right. So then there's options too. So what we're looking at is length of pull. That's going to be the dimension between the, the center of the trigger to the center of the butt plate. Then we're going to have drop, which comes off the barrel to the top of the butt plate. Then we have that dynamic. Then we've got the pitch, which is the angle of the butt plate and how it fits on your shoulder. Okay, so we've got different variables, different guns. When you're talking over-unders, side-by-side, semi-autos, all of these have different variables to make up different fit. So you kind of can't say, well, this is exactly my measurement because once you start tweaking a little bit here, then it changes this other number. So it's one of those things where you got to try it before you buy it. it. You know, and a lot of people think the old wives tale, and I don't know if you can see it here, but they would take a gun and they'd set the butt pad yes. and wherever your finger touch, that's your length of pull. Yes. In reality, it might work on some. That's not your, that's not your thing. Really and truly take, if, if it's your kid, make sure the gun's unloaded for sure. But if your kid, or let's say, let's say you went out and you want to see if your gun fits you. Well, you know enough about them. Unload the gun, go to a big mirror where you can look at and mount the gun, close your eyes, pull up, mount the gun into the mirror and look at the mirror. And you should be able to see straight down from where the bead is on the barrel, straight down the rib, right to the pupil of your eye. That if, if you get that, which you're probably not going to, I'd say most people, there's no way that would happen. But if you could get that to happen, you're perfect. But if not, that will tell you that, hey, my, I'm, my eyes this low on it, or I'm over to the right, or I'm over here, the cant's wrong, whatever's set up. That is one thing on gun fit that would kind of a home re- remedy there, unless if you don't have a professional around. But that'll tell you pretty quick what you kind of need to do. And right. so in, in reality, you go to a gun store, if they're sitting around, let you play with them. That's what you're looking at. Bring somebody with you and point the gun and say, hey, look down the barrel and see, see if my is or not. That would help a bunch. So if we're talking wood stocks, there are aftermarket options to create that perfect fit. Oh, sure. Sure. There's there's a lot of them out there where, I mean, everything from adjustable combs to uh, adjustable pitch, uh, up and down, sideways length and all that. So, yes, there's there's huge options to get a gun to fit you. Right. And it's, Especially and it's in that world with wooden stocks. Yeah. And so the more serious, the more that you're around serious hunters or shooters, the more you're going to see these, what we like to call accessories. I tell all the ladies that I recruit into the gun world, especially the gun dog world, that it is the perfect place for women because it is an endless world of accessories. That's exactly right. And also in the bow hunting world and in the fishing world, that's what we're (laughs) here for is accessories accessories yep how many trinkets can we add on but, but in reality if you're getting the ones that are helping you shoot better and do better then it is it is well worth it you know just like a, if, if we so were fishing and the lure works that's the ones you want you know <laughs> okay so let's talk about your specialty because i never get enough of hearing about how you got into this industry and how you've created a whole new gun culture in the wing that. shooting world and the duck hunting world, it's almost like I've been introduced. If you're not shooting a Rob Roberts gun, you're just not in the cool crowd. Well, good. I, I'm proud <laughs> to hear that, but I, I wish there was, you know, I, I appreciate the good words. And no, we just, we've been in it actually come out of the sporting clay world. You know, we was, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to say this. I was around when sporting clays basically started up. So when we were we were in there, that's kind of how it where I, I was learning and fortunate enough to shoot with a lot of the national champions and world's champions. I wasn't that guy, that guy. but I was but with I was these with guys. These guys. So, I'm so I'm watching and I'm looking, and I'm looking. this guy here's won two national titles. What's he do special on his gun? Well, he does this, 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 this. And this guy here, well, I do this, this, this. And so basically being around those guys, I'm like, you know, and my problem was I was never any world's champion because I didn't care. It's like, uh, oh, wait a minute, there went two dub. I'd rather go after those than I was these two. You know, I mean, I was more on the hunting side. And so once we figured out that, you know, the same stuff is was tremendous on duck hunters, on turkey hunters, on on this kind of stuff, that these patterns and, and playing with these patterns and moving. 
And so I got obsessed with it. And then, so that's kind of where it went. Just obsession of shooting guns and hearing boom. That's why I'm also deaf. Oh, well, that's kind of the same story that I got. It was like, it was super fun to be good and find consistency, but then to understand why you were at that place and then be able to help others get there brought like a whole new high to my shooting career. And, yeah. and then I just get so geeked up about these details and the techniques and then the options of being even more precise. Um, a lot of people don't understand. So I was looking at your website and I don't know if people go there, but if you are listening and you're just tooling around on your phone at the bottom of um, Rob Roberts gunworks.com is a green block that says facts. These questions on here are just like, I guess would be an average question that you guys just put on here with an answer. For instance, like the first one, why should I have the forcing cones lengthened and polished on my shotgun? Okay, that is a common conversation at the clay course. I mean, you know, that's like an upgrade where what you guys are doing and you're taking a solid factory firearm and you're turning it into a sports car. Right. And so there's all these different things that you guys do and, and for people to understand why you've been so successful and why people are investing this type of money to make their experience so much better. It's all, it's all right here under these questions. Like all these, um, all these questions listed here really showcase what, what you do that makes such a big difference. We try to be, cause, cause like you said earlier, it, it's helping somebody else to do better. You know, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that we build that are frills and cool and, you know, just like some of the camos and Cerakotes and, and buttons and stuff that they all look good and they're all, it, it all does. But a lot of stuff we also build also helps the performance. So what we really want, people always say, well, speed kills or this kills or that kills. Well, no, your patterns are going to kill more than speed. If your pattern's there and that gun does what you, you're looking at the target and you pull the trigger, if, if the gun's doing what it's going to do, you're going to break a lot more targets or whatever you're shooting at. But uh, getting back to just like that forcing cone thing, you know, that's something that uh, we do daily i mean we get tons and tons especially your european guns your benelli's your berettas your craigos parazis all this kind of stuff we do tons of them on on those now you know we've had people come in and go well that don't really do anything well yes it does it, it does a lot it's taking back pressure off your shoulder it's it's bringing the distortion out and, and you're getting better patterns less recoil felt recoil and if it was so far-fetched why are some of these american-based companies who are building, not the Europeans, but the, the, you know, they're coming in now and they're already done at the factory. Well, that kind of shuts up the fact as well. Y'all are, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's real. Aftermarket, it's real. Uh, the, you know, that, that's one thing. And that's probably the cheapest thing on a shotgun you can do that will very well benefit you. And that's a huge thing because all these sporting clay guys and gals, the reason why it's so important is once you get into that second shot, if you don't take that extra measure, it's so easy to find yourself high. Your head's off the gun. You're standing up. When you go into that second shot, how many people miss that second shot, especially when you get to your last pair? Because it's like you've just kept bumping yourself up until you're completely out of position. And it's such a small var like variance that you yeah. don't realize it until you get that miss. And, and if you get beat up, if you blink, you miss. You know, I mean, yeah. that's a flinch. That's as bad as just closing both eyes. If you if you just blink, that's a flinch. And so get the gun. Like I said, gun fit, get it to fit. We'll play with your barrel and stuff, take more recoil out of it if need be, and then get the patterns and you're in business. You know, that that that's where it's at because it's a whole lot more fun when you're hitting targets. <laughs> yeah, and you guys have top technology there at your shop. Um in the country to set up these patterns and and figure out which ammo shoots best with your with your gun and you set up the chokes like it's a whole system go through um all the variables that you guys are putting together to create the best experience so we we're uh high-tech rednecks on a certain scale there <laughs> we've got some of these pattern machines where we actually go out and shoot them into the into the machine it's telling you here's your pattern here's your pellets it's an actual picture 
here's how many uh, pellets in a 10, 20, 30 inch. Here's your point of impact. Here's, here's your percentage. And then you can shoot another load and go, well, you know, when you get done, this particular gun really loves this. And so, yeah, we, we try to be a one shop fits all here. If you would one stop. If I'm now. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is that if, if you don't have that knowledge, you can send your gun to your shop. You guys soup it up with all the new technologies to further um, the consistency of the shooting. But then you also can customize it with your Cerakote logos, names, whatever your favorite thing is. It's almost like tattooing up your gun. It is. <laughs> everybody likes tats. Not me, but I mean, everybody else. I don't have one either. <laughs> but that, <laughs> but that I is. think and about that when we're on the blind and we've got all these, like, we got a jargon gun. We got a the foul life gun. We've got your logos on everything, you know, like, and everybody, depending on where we are, they're either um, greens and browns or we're goose camping their whites and grays. And it's like, this this is so cool because it is just an extension of your personality and who you are. That's it. It it allows a whole lot of personality stuff on there. So it, and it does go it does do good. And uh, the like I said, we've done uh, a bunch for you know it, it's helped us with a lot of celebrity stuff and everything else because people can give that once in a lifetime gun or whatever the case to somebody because they can put their own spin to it and mm -hmm. and it come in good. Well, um, I also think, I mean, you do a lot of things with celebrities, but it also allows organizations to do amazing fundraisers and give an opportunity for people to win or purchase a gun that is a commemorative gun or, you know, there's just endless yeah. opportunities um, where we've seen your firearms and the things that you've put together bring a lot of meaning and a lot of money to great missions. It, it it does and it's they are good fundraising stuff and we just did a couple and i won't I, I won't get into the names but i mean you've taken a shotgun and you do all this stuff work and you put what they need to do to try to raise money and you got good people that will buy raffle tickets so to speak on something for a good cause you know it's mm -hmm. like uh um and like i said i don't want to name names but you you pull somebody out of there like saint jude's man yeah how great is that to contribute anything to a place like that so yeah. at that point when you start doing some of these particular things and you put that on you raise money they are good they are very well uh we've yeah, had a couple great, times where a they got over a hundred thousand off a gun you know yeah for the 4-h teams and and um all these youth groups that it costs a lot for these parents to commit to yes, shooting with these kids and stuff because ammo's not cheap um it uh, taterbug started shooting every week and so we have um good 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 yeah good. we're excited so we've been seeing these uh clay bills come back around yeah after i mean i'm telling you what i don't know how i got away with doing what i did the first time around but you make you make a way when it's your kid you know but i can't see me camping out at the clay course ever again like i did before yeah, I, and I get it. And and that's um, unfortunately, we're also in a society that's kind of against what we're doing. So it's it, it's really tough there. So they're making it very, very hard on us all the way around. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for fundraiser options, um, you can't go wrong working with Rob on, oh, on we, guns. We do. We try to help with them. You can't give to everybody. I mean, it's one of those things. But if we can help soften the blow and and just like you said, get a gun, do something with it, make, you know, raffle these off, take it upon. We're going to try to help with them all we can, you know, and um, uh, it is a good way because yes, we need more kids in this sport and it well, is tough for parents to be able to afford their kids to be in this sport. Yeah, and you practice what you preach because I know you haul your grandkids all over the country hunting. I, I normally use them for gator bait. I'm, I'm working on a couple <laughs> of flames right now where I can throw them in. And I really like hunting gators. And I, I think that uh, they're getting to the age now where they'd really be good bait. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're having, matter of fact, I'm having, uh, I call the two smallest one that I've got three grandsons and a granddaughter and the uh, little ones are, they're both four right now. Today's his birthday. She'll be five next month. So I call but them. They're cousins. they're cousins, right? 
their cousins and I call them Bonnie and Clyde and they'll share jail cells together and everything. <laughs> These are the two biggest haters I've ever been around, but they are a lot of fun right now. I wonder who they get it from. I it, Poor breeding on her mother's side. I promise you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm telling you what, well, you are a ball of fun all the time in camp and all your stories is just so much fun. The, where are you headed to this year? Well, actually, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm getting old. I'm kind of falling apart. And uh, But, yeah, I'm going to start off in Texas on uh, Teal. I've, I've got some buddies there with Federal. Those guys, they, yeah. had a, um, they bought a place down there, and they're all going on a big hunt. And I, I, I don't know, shamed them into inviting me to go on it. But, yeah, <laughs> start off on some dove down in South Texas and, and work our way up. But it uh, – it's it's going to be a good year. I'm 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 pretty sure. I'm I think uh, I swore I was probably done going back and forth across to Canada. I'm already hooked up to go to Saskatchewan again because the ducks are just so much fun up there. I know. Well, we're supposed to be there in October. Uh, you're in Alberta, and I'm in uh, Saskatchewan. I'd already seen you. We've talked about that earlier. Yeah, you're just <laughs> across the line. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's so it's so much fun up there. You know, you can start up there, and then when you come back here, you can actually enjoy the duck hunts down here, even when you don't have ducks, because you've already you've already been in them. You know, yeah. so so it's not yeah, all about kill, kill, kill. It's about enjoying the hunt. Well, we we definitely enjoy it because we didn't have very good luck. Where were we last at Goose Camp? We didn't we didn't have a good Goose Camp that year, but I mean, we had a lot of fun. But we didn't. Oh, you talking we about uh, we was up in Nebraska. Yeah. At the, at the, uh, what was it? Uh, Black Rome Goose. Nuns was the convent up there. That's where <laughs> Oh, yeah. Remember? Oh, my gosh. Nobody warned us. We show up and I'm like, I don't, Y'all come I don't up think, late. I don't think Tater's going to sleep in this church <laughs> with all of these statues and we have an altar in our BNB. I'm like, where in the world are we? Yeah, I was a little shocked when I first got there because I wasn't expecting all that, but it was sure was a lot of fun and it was a great place. It was it was really nice, but okay, so then you left, right? We stayed right. in this place with I, I had mean, pneumonia. actual nuns coming in there. I, I left with the day. pneumonia, I really did. I mean, it was like they was all coming and said, Man, you sound I come back and it's like, you got pneumonia. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You were so sick then. Ew. Okay, so you leave. We go over to Iowa from there. Right. We end up in another church. <laughs> I said, "What? What in the There's world?" A lot of worse places to be, we ended up in another church, but it didn't. It didn't have a sanctuary, and I mean, I don't know. I'm not Catholic. What kind of church was that? You know, that was I'm Catholic. Yeah, Baptist, that was all Catholic. So it's like it's a sanctuary, right? It was like a. It was a common. That what you call the it? nuns was in there, you know, and it was like they didn't stay there with us, but they put us on vacation there. the week. Was you know, it's like <laughs> really we're all in this. I'm, it was all good. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then I've got all those dogs with me. Yep, running around the yard. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. I forget all about it. You you forget all those little details until you stop and really think about it. And then the the next place we went, yep, we were in the. We were in another church, but it didn't have a podium or anything, but <laughs> remodeled church. Jack Daniels came in and hung out with us there. Oh, at the other one? Yeah, that, yeah. that always helps when you bring those into the church. <laughs> oh, that's that's but no, that's, it is, and that's what you see, especially like, like, for instance, where we was hunting up there in Nebraska. That's a very small town in, you know, in the Midwest lots of geese ducks and everything and those guys the people around it's all small but great folks great folks oh yeah it, it was so it's much like Oklahoma. you know we go out to oklahoma a lot of course we're here in arkansas so you know oklahoma kansas missouri iowa you know that they're all just hits on all that stuff through the midwest and and you find that uh small towns and they're just great folks around there oh my gosh and and there's usually like one local bar where everybody eats dinner so you yeah. get every hunter that comes in the couple of years ago maybe it was three years ago now i was found myself in north dakota that was like dream pheasant hunt for me right i sure. show up in this town where we were supposed to be at i'm like i mean i've learned a lot of lessons the hard way you know that's typically how we learn them on our hunting trips 
Yes. We show up in this town. They don't even have a gas station. It's like pay at the pump at the mechanic shop that might be open and it might not be open. And how far you have to go for dog food or Walmart. I mean, all you got is if somebody decides to be open or if they have a family emergency or a family birthday or something like they just have the option of just shutting the doors. You know, I mean, it, it's so different. Yeah. When you get it, out there in the exactly Midwest. That. That you know, and, and I've had my, you know, cause I'm here in Arkansas. And so I get jokes about Arkansas and this and this and this, and, you know, I've gone to these places and they're like, you know, Arkansas, you're all a bunch of blah, blah, blah. And I was laughing and go, yeah. I said, you know, one thing about Arkansas, you know, you can drive within 30 minutes max to anywhere to another Walmart super center. But, you know, <laughs> up here where we're at, you know, it's four hours from one. So I can see where we're really backwards compared to <laughs> yeah, you know? and, uh, that's how, you know, when you're in Canada, you know, it's, it, that's, that's it. Saskatchewan, when we hunted in, in Alberta, we were about an hour away from, let's say a Walmart or anything like that. When Saskatchewan, we're four and a half hours away from anything like that. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, you do see deliverance if you would. Well, and you just don't think that there's still small towns like that in the United States until you find them. And then you think, God bless them all. I, hope, I wish there was more of them. You you just think all about those flyover state song with Jason Aldean. It's like that is legit. But until you visit there, you really can't fathom culture in a small town. Best hunting, probably the best little hole in the wall little bars with grandma in the kitchen. Yes, Good great food. Good people. Honestly. Yes. And you don't yes. have to worry about whether you get knocked in the head when you go outside. Great. Oh my gosh, no, nobody ever locks a door or a truck or anything. Yeah, I know. It it was a lot of fun. Then we ended up at turkey camp together. Let's talk about that. Like, what do you do different between the waterfowl guns and the turkey guns? Well, you know, and, and that goes into a lot of places because uh you're basically doing the same type things. The different things on turkeys is there's a lot of people like the shorter guns because a lot of people hunt blinds. They go into blinds. They want the gun shorter where they can move around inside things. I, I personally don't hunt blinds, so it, it, it's one of those things that I never learned that. I'm, I'm old school. But, um, but now with kids and stuff, I'm trying to work it up to where as these kids get a little bigger. And, and I'm weird. I don't take a kid because he's six years old. He needs to learn how to kill something. No. When, when the kid gets now, this is my view now, dang it. Okay, but let's get let's hear it. They got to want to do it before I'm going to push it on them. Once they want to do it and they decide to do it, then I'm going to take them. And yes, that's where your blinds are really going to come in handy. But getting back to the gun part, you're doing the same thing. Your fortune cones, you're still wanting to get your best pattern. Um, the difference on turkey, so to speak, is you kind of deal with shorter guns for the most part because of that. Um I basically use a 20 gauge that I duck hunt, dove hunt, turkey hunt, all of it with, but it is turned into my, you know, it, it is my turkey gun. And um, at, at the end of it, um, you're looking for tighter patterns and it, it's just a little different game. Now they're counting pellets. Now they're using TSS loads and, and, and this type of thing. But, so when you uh, do that, you don't change forcing cones. You don't, you will change your choke. You, all you got to do really is we, we do, uh, Choke tubes, you're tightening them down. And at that yeah. point there, you got to be more, that point of impact's got to be more spot on. I got one right here that right. sits on yeah, my desk right. every day. This is what I shot my turkey with this year. My, I shot right. my turkey this year with the Rob Roberts choke. Yeah, that's and the adapter series, by the way. It so. is. Yeah. Yep. And the uh, the Rob Roberts Federal Load TSS. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's what took my turkey down. And he... He didn't even take a breath. Like he didn't. He didn't even have time to move his head. He just dropped. This this TSS that they've come out with, and I mean, there's several good ones out there. Apex and those guys all build them, and and, and I mean, you see them from one line to the other. Blah blah blah. Federal come in and goes, "Hey, look, we're going to build a load. We want you to be a part of this." Blah blah blah. And this is what it's going to do. And we shot it, and it's like, oh yeah, let's do this. What do you think about, you know, and had a little bit of input there, but federal knows what they're doing. And they, they, they come in and go, check this out. And they're like, what do you think of it? And I said, well, you know, let's, oh my, oh my. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it was good. And so, um, you know, when people come out first, that load, they would talk about them because TSS is very expensive stuff. I used to load my own, 
years ago com- coming into this because we've been playing with it for several years. And um, TSS is very expensive. And and when um, when they come into this, what do you think about it? And they, they started doing a 10-pack, that Rob Roberts okay. signature load there. That comes yep. with 10 shells, and they were, you know, 130 40 bucks, whatever the case may be. And everybody's going, golly. Well, what happened is you go look at the rest of it. Now you're seeing other stuff that are five shots for $60 to $75. So guess what? That other one's not that expensive. And I promise you, it is putting it out there. It, Definitely. It's stupid. Like um, my 20-gauge, for example, at 40 yards was putting over 300 pellets in a 10-inch circle. We did a deal with Onyx, and, and we were doing some stuff, and they did a video. And I said, well, let's try this new Raptor choke and go out here and shoot this shell through it. And I hadn't even shot it. I mean, it was all new and it was fresh for that video that they were promoting there. And it was uh, 330 on the first shot, 317 on the second at 40 yards. And that's 20 gauge. And it's like, why would you need, if anyway. that one, kill, that should kill a deer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, turkey, no problem. That, that That's stout enough to kill a deer. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, you can just tell the quality because I, I mean, I when I started shooting sporting clays competitively, the gun that fit me the best was a field gun. Mm-hmm. So before I knew anything, I would prop my redneck field gun up <laughs> in the gun rack next to everybody's custom Kriegos and everything else. And all these guys would just chuckle at me. But when you don't know any different, you just go out there and shoot, right? Like, and shoot so, with- it's like my score my score is still really good i just looked like you know i mean i was wearing blaze orange vest at the beginning too because i just come right out of the field in the sport i didn't realize there was a whole another wardrobe and everything for the different sports um you know i just figured well we're all shooting shotguns so it's all the same right but it's not and so like when i picked this up i remembered shooting that gun and realizing okay well the least i can do is put some extended chokes in my field gun you know and at least look like i know i'm fitting in a little bit but this felt just like such better quality than the first field chokes that that are the extended chokes that i remember putting in i was like this thing is sweet and it's like like got this diamond cut accent from the from the raptor yeah, I mean it's it's great. It is so great, but yeah, but no, I thought you know, I was like back back in sporting clays. You know that was one of the things that we we did, and I I used to go to a shoot and I'd get so sick of watching somebody walk up on the stand, and they'd look at the target and they do this and they do that and they measuring it and they did everything but step it off and all that, and then they screw a choke out, screw a choke in, screw another. <laughs> choke in. I got so sick of that. It's like. Choke changers. Get up and just shoot the thing. Because when you're around, you know, your world's champs and all those guys, a lot of them are actually shooting fixed choke guns. That's how I started. I didn't know that there you know, was this opportunity to do all this. So when I showed up and I saw all this stuff, I was like, do I not know? Like, it it threw me in a panic a little bit. Like, oh, my gosh, am I doing things the right way? Do I fit in this culture? And And, you know, that just really showed me that I have a heart of a hunter. You know, I mean, you just know where you fit in. Absolutely. And I love shooting clays, but I'd much rather be at hunt camp. Yeah, and I notice I've, I usually fit in somewhere alone in the woods away from everybody that I <laughs> But But what, what we got into is we took that a little further. So what we started finding is you would go out there and they were like, why don't you make all these chokes? Well, you don't need all these chokes. Most of the time, one, two chokes on what's flying and a turkey choke. That's basically what you get into. You know, we've done triple threats and we've done that. So we allow the ones that want to shoot something up close, something in the medium and something in here. But, and I'm telling it straight up, that's fine. But in reality, we have shot so many thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, it's kind of a daily, we're, we're pattern testing guns pretty much daily. We see what guns like what, you know, you can, you can go out there and take, uh, you get your gun and you find what that gun shoots. You don't need nothing else. Take that worry out of it. Don't sit there and get all you got to do is you look up, shoot the target and break it or kill it or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I, I try to keep it separated from that to Turkey, you know, because like I said, Turkey, you want it tight. You want long range, everything flying. You want it. You want to find what your gun likes. 
find, you know, don't go because somebody told you that an improved cylinder is what you need. That's not the case. If your gun likes that improved cylinder, then yeah, there you go. But that's, like I said, we try to find out what your gun likes, tell you what it likes, and then you go from there and quit worrying about all these chokes and all that. Screw this one in, screw that. Go out there and all you got to do is worry about, do I have birds or targets today? And, and is your technique proper? If your gun fits and your technique's proper, then you're spot on. Now, when you say what your gun likes, are you talking about manufacturers or are you talking about an individual gun? I'm talking individual guns. So each individual uh, gun may like different things. It, 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 yes. And I'll tell you what happens is there is a fluctuation with bore diameters in guns. Um, by most part, uh, certain things like certain things. So, for example, if you're shooting a Browning, I'm shooting a Benelli, and over here, this guy's shooting a Beretta. Okay. okay? So, we've got three different people start talking here, and for, for them to come in and say, well, I like a improved cylinder uh, between all of us. Well, if you're with a Browning, an improved cylinder, which is a 10,000 constriction, and you've got a 740 bore, yours at 730. I'm shooting a Benelli, who which had tighter bores, and let's say it's a 721 bore, I'm at 711, and this guy over here is shooting a 730 bore, and his, he's at 720. So in reality, we're not shooting the same chunk. We're not apples to apples nowhere around. Mm -hmm. So what we do, and that's why we don't call our stuff um, improved cylinder, skeet, modified, we don't do that. Right. We have the triple threat, T1, T2, T3, and now we've got the Raptor series, which is the R1, R2, R3, blah, blah, blah. But we're basing our choke system off the bore of each shotgun, so you don't have to worry about it. So, for example, browning a big bore, we're putting it in proportion to the browning bore. We're doing the other one proportional to a Benelli bore or what it is. I hope that wasn't confusing. But yeah. we're taking yeah. that guesswork out of the shooter, and that's that's been part of the luck that we've had so far because – is this is not a one size fits all you know it, it just really ain't it'd be nice and the gun manufacturer would love that and we would too as a choke that way we only built one type of choke and there it is right it, it would be easier but it's, it's not it's not a one size fits all so we have new projects coming up when season starts getting into upland stuff because mm -hmm. Everybody knows that you're there for the waterfowl world right and and I know you do rifles too it's just not that's not my space, right? So oh, we'll just talk about your shotgun stuff. But what what are we looking at doing, you know, quail versus pheasants? And, you know, how, how are we going to be changing up this stuff? Explain a well, little so, bit of that to me for everybody listening. Okay. Well, like, for example, uh, same thing on these chokes. Uh, you know, if you're going to do both. And I'll be shooting the 828, uh, the field in 20 gauge. On the Benelli side, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. On that same thing, you're going to take, you want, you you know, your quail, you're going to be running your dogs and you're going to be doing that. So everything's basically going to be quick, fast, open shooting. You want a good, solid, more of an open type pattern, which which is great. And then when you get to uh, pheasants, a lot of people still want a little bit of open. Um, I like to see it a little bit tighter because I've, I've done both. And pheasants, you, you hit them a little bit harder. The dog has a whole lot less work. You're not chasing them to the next field. You know what I mean? It, it's um, I don't like to see anything getting wounded on that. But, yeah, it's not a one choke fits all in that particular situation because, like I said, you got – Oh, you got yeah, we, want, we got don't, we don't want that dog. And plus, weather comes into play. Right. You know, a lot of times you might – like you said, you was in North Dakota. If you're up there very late in the year, it's cold. Wind. And shotguns, wind, but shotguns – we do it here a lot of times, even during turkey season, what you see it, we do a lot of pattern testing on turkey guns. Well, when it's extremely hot and it's, you know, like temps right now, we're, we're in June and it's hotter than the hubs of hell here right now. But patterns, patterns, I mean, the shotguns don't shoot good. And when it gets extremely cold, you run into it again. So like if you're, if you're in North Dakota and it's, it's cold in North Dakota, I've been there, and it gets cold and it gets windy, um, you got to really, um, you got to do some things. Now, one, I will give one tip while I'm at it. If, if you are up there and it is getting cold, you're in pheasant season, it's cold. You can leave your gun in the truck. You can leave your whatever in the truck. Uh, I'd bring your dog and your ammo inside because, uh, you keep your ammo, keep your ammo 
decently warm, not hot, keep it warm or cool, whatever the case may be, because that, that has one tendency right there that changes a lot of things. Uh, people really? don't realize that, but it does. It does. No, nobody talks about that. Everybody's like, ammo's in the toolbox, in the dog box, storage. You see a lot. We see tons of guns that come in here with bulges in the barrel or they rip this out. No, well, the choke come loose, and it's always either the choke's fault or the or the gun's fault or the, you know, blah, blah, blah. When in reality, it's kind of the person's fault because he should have brought the ammo or her, she or he should have brought the ammo in and get it because it gets out there. They get those bloop loads. So you go boom, and the first one bloops and the second one bulges. So it is. So, yeah, ammo is very important to keep. Uh, what happens to it in the cold? It, it just changes your temp, just like on a rifle. You know, you'll have a lot of rifle shooters that go out there and, you know, they're really worried about accuracy. So they're keeping barrels cool, this cool. They keep the powder cool. This one, you know, a lot of a lot of today's powders have got to the point where uh, they want it to uh, temperature stabilized and everything. So it don't really matter. It really it, it has happened on the on the rifles more so than it has the shotguns. And it's getting better. But you do. I mean, it's it's one of those things. You leave, uh, you know, I'm, I've had guys that uh, I've watched them come out there and, and just blow a barrel up, look like Elmer Fudd, Fudd had a hold of it. It's just like, well, I don't know what happened. Uh, where'd that ammo come from? Well, I leave it in my tractor. Or I leave it out there in the blind or, or whatever the yeah. case may be. And the trailer, well, you pack your hunt trailer. Against this and, that, and, and it does have an effect on the powder. I mean, it's okay. just compelling. We had a little glitch like a freeze when you were talking about the cold weather and the, and the um, chokes. Will you talk about that again? Um, uh, backing up on, as far as bringing your, your ammo and stuff in. Yeah. Right before oh, that. When you were yeah, talking, about talking about on patterns. Yeah. yeah. We did have, uh, we have noticed, uh, you know, cause we shoot year round here. We do notice that when it's extremely hot, like it is here now or extremely cold that our patterns go to crap. They don't shoot a, a gun your perfect pattern, if it was 55 degrees year-round, we would put out some killer patterns on shotguns. But it does have effects. So whether, once again, coming back into this powder thing I'm talking about, um, temperatures do affect your, your pattern test. I mean, your, your patterns in general. And so um, um, definitely, like if we do it, we don't like to. If it's 150 degrees outside, uh, you know, when it gets up into the hundreds, we we may not pattern test here until we get a break in action. Or, you know, it cools down, rain comes, even though we have people that their guns want pattern test because we can't give them an actual pattern because mm -hmm. uh, it's it's all off the wall. It's 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 scattered. It's it's clumpy. It's whatever, and it, it it's a significant difference. Mm -hmm. I know I know it sounds crazy, and people really don't worry about it. And they say, oh, I've been doing it for a hundred years. Um, those are the same ones that's been using that cheap box of shells. And then, once again, I'm not naming, I'm not trying to screw up things, but they'll, they'll use, well, I buy this right here because it's cheap. And then uh, we've done that where we've actually had a group of people come in here and shoot. And I had one guy sit there and watch and he goes, really? I said, that's what the consistency of the load you use is vitally important. And uh, keep your shells inside and you're good. But not everybody looks at it. They're just going to go grab, go to Walmart once again and buy the cheapest shell they got and say, man, I've killed lots of them. Well, you might with that box. Now, when you grab the next box and you don't kill nothing, you go, well, it's my choke's fault or it's my gun's fault or I'm having a bad day when in reality it's the ammo. ammo ammo's a different deal. That's that's for another time. But uh, <laughs> it is. And I, like I said, I'm not trying to insult, but it is. Uh, but a tip well, is... Keep yeah, when you want to be successful. You. And, you know, we talk about conservation. You and I are both superly involved in conservation organizations and efforts. And it's, and then, and with the dogs, man, the dog makes it or breaks it, you yeah. know? And it's like all these statistics are coming out about wounded ducks and, and, um, you know, the dog, people that don't hunt with dogs and how many animals get left because. Oh, yeah. They're wounded and they get away. All the, like we were talking about the pheasants. How many pheasants get wounded and run? You know, uh, not only does it take a dog to find it, but it takes a dang good dog to find it. You bet. Yeah, because like I said earlier, it, they might run to the neighbor's field next door. That might be yeah. a mile. Bury but, up uh, so deep, yeah, that it's just <laughs> so hard to find them. So um, 
when, when we're talking about these things, yeah, it's cool and it's fun and it's bragging rights and all the things that I talk about, but in the, in the end, it also creates success and, and you don't want to put in all those miles and all those efforts upland hunting and not come back with what you went for. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you want to eat when you get done with this thing. Eat well. <laughs> when you can only bag three birds, I'm telling you, every shell counts. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But, well, thank you for coming on here and educating us. Um, I hope it's I, helped. I haven't made it to your shop, but, you know, I talk about it. I want to get out there so bad and um, put my gun through good. the ringer. And just have that experience myself. Um, my coach taught me in the very beginning when I was wanting to be successful and I was setting my goals about the patterning and and we've sat out there and when ammo got scarce and COVID and I hadn't, I didn't have a choice, but to switch when I had to shoot a certain ammo because we couldn't get what I was accustomed to. I had to change my gun sure. to match the ammo that I had available. And so I have seen it because I was, that's when I was competing in tournaments and um, you sure don't spend that much money gambling on dogs and hunting no. to blow it, you know. And yeah, so, I, you know, and, and I had to switch guns um, to match the ammo. And so I've seen it myself and, and the effects of it and, and how it creates success. So I love what you do. I love talking about what you do. And I love being a part of it. Well, I appreciate it. And anything we can do for you and yours, you always uh... – just uh, you just phone go away all right well thank you so much and you guys check out rob roberts gunworks they're on instagram they've got a killer instagram it's <laughs> entertaining um but you do you guys have great imagery and posts um you know so, it'll it'll make you want to spend money though it's it'll, it'll put a lot of temptation in your heart <laughs> <laughs> you'll be you'll be booking hunts and buying guns there you go there ain't nothing wrong with either one <laughs> All right, talk to talk soon, Ralph. All right, hon, you take care of yourself. Thank y'all. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to 